Yeah, well, funnily enough, um, farmers didn't benefit quite as much from the uh, cut on excise fuel, which was far, you know, far more significant for white diesel than for green diesel. Of course, farmers use white diesel to drive jeeps and transport stock and all of that. So, so it is a cost there. The green diesel had a very minimal uh, excise duty cut. Um, so, you know, look at it's the wrong signal at, at, the, at the moment. It's going to be challenging for everybody in rural Ireland. Um, but I think in general, there are lots more things to be concerned about as well for farmers in terms of inputs. So fertiliser is still uh, incredibly expensive. The IFAX study showed that it was 250% dearer in 2022 um, compared to 2021. Uh, feed was up 40% in 22 compared to 21. These are massive figures. But we'd also have concerns, of course, about the fact that today uh, there is a substantial drop in fertiliser prices across Europe. Natural gas has been a lot cheaper than anticipated and has fallen substantially since uh, last summer. But today, people are still being quoted somewhere between 850 and 950 for urea. Uh, we, we see that in the UK, that has dropped substantially in the last month. And UK prices for urea, that's a fertiliser, an important fertiliser, are less than 700. So, and, and when you combine that with another report uh, in the Farmers' Journal showing the absolutely massive margins made by fertiliser uh, importers in 2022 in Ireland. I, I think there are a lot of issues there about costs. Yes, some of them have got to do with, uh, you know, global inflation. Some of them have got to do with the war in Ukraine. But there's also question marks about whether people are taking advantage in between to charge more than they should be. Okay, uh, Tom, what would your take be on, on the, the, the fuel, the excise and fuel going back up? Would you agree with Eddie that farmers didn't benefit as much from the, the cut in excise duty in the first place? And what would you like to see? What sector-specific supports in terms of tackling cost of living would you like to see the government uh, bring in or announce on Tuesday? Well, the price uh, of, of everyday running costs of fuel for your Jeep or car is, is not the most significant cost on, on the farm. Um, the cost of oil has directly uh, related to all farm costs in respect where an awful lot of the manufacturing of machinery, um, the transport of fertiliser and feed, the transport of cattle. Um, you, have the, you have a lot of these costs and everything is based around the, the price of oil. Now we're starting to see the price of oil come down um, slowly but surely every week there seems to be a, a, a small kind of positivity in, in the right direction for everyone um, the cost of, of producing fertiliser and, and everything else then is would hopefully come down as quick because everything shot up very fast last year as soon as uh, the crisis arose so people did profiteer as Eddie said there on, on, on the especially fertiliser. So other people who supply the farm, the farmers with these products um, are in a great position now to reflect on the cost of production and start selling these products a bit cheaper. Eddie, what, what do you want to see specifically from the government on Tuesday that would be music to the ears of farmers? Uh, we've been saying for a long time that support with the cost of fertiliser would, would be very helpful, particularly for people in the dry stock sector. Uh, 
And, you know, it's, it's quite clear looking at this um, uh, survey that the level of positivity about the future is far higher on dairy farms at 80% than, you know, than the other sectors. In fact, we see that the sheep and beef sectors, maybe one third of farmers don't expect to be farming uh, five years from now. Um, so the truth is that it's very, very difficult indeed for suckler farmers or sheep farmers or beef farmers to afford the absolutely astronomical cost of fertiliser um, at the moment. Um, we've seen in the last year a pallet of fertiliser, which doesn't go that far on a, an average-sized farm, costing in excess of €2,000. Um, those are massive bills, and you need an awful lot of uh, output to, to try and deal with that. But it, it's very difficult for farmers. So I think that has to be first thing. I think that they should leave... The little change they made to green diesel, uh, a couple of cents, they should leave that in place. Um, because, you know, there, there's a key message coming through here. If you look at fertilizer costs, if you look at the proposals to substantially cut back on pesticide use coming out of Europe, uh, if you look at all of the pressure to reduce national herds, to move to organic farming, every one of these policy initiatives, if you like, are going to ultimately threaten our food security and will undoubtedly lead to higher food prices in the shops for consumers. Um, so, you know, people may say farmers are always looking for, for support, but actually almost all of the support that goes to farmers, whether that be in cap or whether it be in, in temporary measures, is really to try and keep a, a lid on food prices. It's not that, you know, farmers are some special, special uh, sector of society. It is that every single citizen in Europe is impacted by rising food prices. We think food prices, of course, have to be at a sustainable level. You can't expect farmers to produce below the cost of uh, production. But on the other hand, uh, it looks to me as if all of the policy measures taken together will lead to escalation in food prices. And I think people who demand that farmers cut their stocking rates, that demand that the national herd be cut back, that demand that we get rid of all sorts of plant protection products need to be cognizant of the fact this will affect them eventually. And Tom, Eddie mentioned there that, you know, a significant number of farmers don't see themselves being in business in five years' time. Do the government need to be more proactive about this? Because could there potentially be, and be it reluctantly that they go, or willingly that they go, a mass exodus of farmers from the sector, unless the government, uh, as I say, are more proactive? Because that's the second IFAC report in a row where farmers have highlighted input costs as their biggest concern, or they're beginning to feel as if uh, the government aren't listening and nothing is going to be done to tackle input costs. Well, as we said there about the uh, the high input costs, I mean, the high input costs is directly related. If I want to fatten cattle, sheep or milk cows, I need a certain amount of working capital to continue farming. Um, the amount of working capital that's needed now is on the increase because of the higher input costs. And it, it, there's a reluctance there to go and borrow money to start putting into fattening the same amount of animals every year or milking the same number of cows. Um, we've seen the cap budget, as Eddie said there, has been significantly reduced. Um, that has impacted an awful lot of uh, full-time beef, uh, sheep and dairy farmers. Unfortunately, um, if, if we don't start to fill that void, 
and we don't encourage the grassroots of of the farming sector to continue, people will not want to farm at the same level that that we are at the moment. We have been asked to um, the environment side of things to cut cut back. Um, I think that's wrong. Um, I think we need to continue farming at the same level that we are farming. And what we have to do is we have to look at science. We have to take into consideration all the new advances that are made annually and start using these new farming practices to continue as basically at the same level we're at now. Eddie, the survey really highlights that um, there's more and more challenges in terms of securing a successor uh, to a farm. Are we going to see food costs increase significantly if we see, uh, I suppose, um, you know, going along with that in tandem, a, a reduction or perhaps a significant reduction in the number of farmers in this country? Yeah, and ICSA has been shouting about this for years, about, you know, the, the threats to who, who's going to produce the, the food in the future if farmers continue to be faced with the challenges they have. And the survey says 69% haven't identified a successor. And also 32% can't find uh, suitable employees. And by the way, a lot of the others don't can't afford employees. So, so this identifies the challenges farmers are having. But, you know, you also have to look at the ever-increasing amount of red tape and, and the ever-increasing demands being made of farmers. So, for example, in, in, the, in the last couple of years, we've seen compulsory soil sampling at a lot of farms and based on the complicated results of that you may or may not be allowed to apply you know previous levels of potash and and uh, phosphate uh, to your ground um, in terms of spreading slurry there are three new rules in terms of 2023 20, 24 and 25 so if your stocking rate is above 150 kilos of nitrogen in January 2023, you have to use trail shoe technology, much more expensive. And sorry, Alan, I know a lot of your listeners will, will, will gloss over at all these, but can you imagine what it is to be a farmer trying to get your head around that then that rule changes to 130 kilos in 2024 and 100 kilos in 2025? Complex rules around slurry spreading. Uh, soil sampling, proposals to bring in a fertiliser register, the banding under the nitrates directive, the licensed, uh, or, or sorry, the prescription medicines being expanded to cover dosing products, uh, demands for re-wetting certain percentages of land, huge complexity in getting planning permission to plant a few trees, compulsory membership of a quality assurance scheme for sector farmers. Like, the bureaucrats in Brussels, in Dublin, are in overdrive, in driving more and more regulation, more and more demand of farmers. Uh, and this is driving a lot of farmers to, to, you know, depression. I mean, it says in the IFAC report that 53% of people don't actively budget. And, you know, that's that's a deficiency in any farm business, that's for sure. But I understand totally why farmers can't get their head around doing stuff they should be doing because they are absolutely swamped with an ever-increasing array of regulation. Uh, I don't want to rehash the whole climate change target, but the fact is that farmers even today don't have the faintest clue 
what is actually required of them on an individual farm level. Mm. Um, so, so like the pressure on farmers is 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 absolutely um, dire. And this survey really doesn't tell us, I suppose, a whole lot that surprises those of us who work in the sector, but it certainly uh, puts some numbers on the pressure the farmers are under. And there is a wake-up call for all consumers and all citizens that if this continues at its current rate, you can demand all the climate action you want, you can demand all of the rules and regulations about everything from, you know, have you dosed the dog in, 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 in the yard to, to you know, when you can spread slurry, how much, uh, you know, what are the rules about splash plates and so on. And something is going to have to give. And when that happens, food security and food prices will become the major talking issue. And it will make climate change look like, you know, what were we thinking of?